Annalisa Lucas from Best Forevers, a podcast for kindred spirits. I'd like to start a movement where we spend more time loving on our friends because although friends are important to us, they're often in the shadow of other relationships. So if you want to love on your friendships a little bit more, embrace friendship a little bit more, or just appreciate your friendships a little bit more, then this podcast is for you. We'll explore all the different ways friendships take place, share the amazing stories of friendship, and discuss best practices for the difficulties that friends may experience. It's time to embrace friendships because without our friends, who would we be? So check out Best Forevers on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other podcasting listening venues. And be sure to follow Best Forevers Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The body of 34-year-old Nicole Brown Simpson, ex-wife of O.J. Simpson, was found. really believe Kurt Cobain is dead. Millions of people mourned the tragic death of John Lennon today. Struggles to come to terms with the death of Princess Diana. Waiting for... Hello. Hi, this is Fame and Misfortune. We are back. Finally. With so much to talk about. Too many things. Probably way too many things. Lots of things, and you're going to hate all of the things that we talk about. Probably, but um, we'll just get right into it. Yeah. Um, how about that Golden State Killer catch, huh? Golden State Killer. He's gone. Hooray. Very exciting. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yep, he's... I can't believe it's not butter. Um, Basically. But also, he's locked up for a while, at least. Um, hopefully forever after I haven't really checked into how his initial proceedings are going. Yeah. I know um, he showed up in a wheelchair and I don't know why. Probably trying to get that sympathy. Yeah. Um, they're pretty sure he's faking it. They've Mm -hmm. allegedly seen him riding, um, motorcycle before as they've been watching him, I'm sure for some time now, not just within the last week or so. Right. Um, Yes. Yeah, so now, um, you know, neighbors say he very much kept all of his lawn maintained, and right. now all of a sudden, <clears throat> I can't walk. Um, he is on suicide watch. Oh, okay. So that's good. Right, because I know with older um, suspects, normally they're like, I already lived my life, let's right. end this. Yeah, um, so that's very common. Um but, yeah, they basically, they've been watching him for a long time because they know that he would, like, stay home for hours before he mm-hmm. did anything. Sure. Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad. I'm, honestly, I'm, I think I'm happiest most for the victims that can, like, take a, take a breath now and they're, they're okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're never okay after something like that. But no, absolutely not. They can kind of sleep soundly. Yep. For once. Hopefully. Yeah. His lawn is perfectly manicured. It's weird. Yeah, it's freaky. Um, maybe that's where he put all that energy after he stopped killing people. Could be. Could be. But, um, you know, I mean, it's just... It's just pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't know. I don't know. But it's very... I, I hope they get him to talk. Yeah. Um, looking in this video, I think he's definitely... I mean, at 72, you can't be that sickly. He mm-hmm. looks pretty healthy to me. Sure. So, but he, like, looks like he's, like, squinting and, like, trying to talk. Like, you know, he's not really coherent. Right. Um... He had a boat, <clears throat> you know, it's all very, like, what are you even talking about? Um, right, like, he's clearly trying to gain sympathy for yeah, you know, himself. Correct. By... And I have none. And to know he was right. in that, and, like, they just showed a clip of um of him in the audience at the... Oh, at the town hall meeting? Yes, at the town hall meeting. Freaks me out. That scares the crap out of me. That's probably the creepiest thing. And he looks so normal. He's just like, he looks like any other concerned citizen. Yep. Which is just the scariest thing. Hiding, completely hiding in plain sight. Absolutely. Um, 
Um, yeah. Yep. So he mumbles to himself, which I'm sure I mean, that's same. not surprising. Um, my, you know, I've read a lot of articles almost daily. I probably look up to see what's progressed, right. changed anything. Right. Um, if they, if he said anything, um, if anything's new, right? Yeah, another victim has that. come forward, and she hopes wow. to testify against him. Oh, um, good. She probably didn't want any of the attention unless you know he was caught, unless right. she had a reason for it. Right. Um, she said her and her husband were attacked in their home in 1977. Couldn't see his face. Couldn't see anything but a flashlight. So that's pretty much his mo. Um, but yeah. Yikes. Of course, they suspect his attorneys will legally challenge the methods used to capture him. Um, oh, okay, so we do know the database that they found him on. Oh, okay. And it was gedmatch.com. Hmm. It's an online DNA database. That's weird. And investigators were able to trace the killer's great-great-great-grandfather. Wow. And from there, they created a family tree of a thousand descendants before narrowing it down to him. Holy shit. That's insane. That's a lot of legwork. So much. But they've already been doing so much legwork, and it's finally time sure. that technology sort of caught up with uh-huh. the need of, you know, he's not in any database, but how else can we mm-hmm. do it? You know, sure. he, he almost got away with it. Exactly. Completely. Which um, is just crazy. horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. Shit. Yeah. So, like we discussed, there's only two people left to figure out. Yeah. Um, and this article about Zodiac Killer and this guy's book, this came out four years ago. Oh, wow. May 16th, four years ago. So... I don't know. I think it's it's pretty, um, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, well. I think it's your turn this week. It so. is my turn. I'm Erin, for those of you who don't know and haven't listened in a while. I sing way too often. Um, if you don't like it, deal with it. That's okay. Um, let me see. I have to get my papers in order because, as we all know, I don't ever have my life together. There is one more paper around here somewhere. Is there? Uh-huh. And it's gone. Mm. Are you Hold sure? Up. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. That one? Yeah, I think I'm missing my cover page. I saw it. I know it printed. I also saw it. Did you look through all your piles there? Where's, is there another pile? No, just no. through all the ones you have. Hmm. Not there. Nope, nope. Nope. Okay, hang on. I'll find it. It's somewhere. We can do this. I thought I had it. Oh, gosh. I'm getting everybody all riled up. Sorry. We did have it. We did have it. Oh, wait. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> of course you okay. are. Of course I am. And I'm back. And we're back. Uh, Let's go. Come on, my little Huge here. thanks to uh, my ass for keeping this nice and... Toasty? Toasty. Fresh off <clears throat> the Fresh press. Off. Ha! Okay, so on this one, a week since we took such a hiatus, I felt like um, careful. Not you, sorry. Right, Dogs no, you're good. Piling on top of each other. Um, I felt like we should do something a little bit bigger. All I right, so, I'm into it. Um, this is gonna be the um story of Fatty Arbuckle and Virginia Rat. Um, All right. For those of you who don't know either of those names, Fatty Arbuckle was a um, uh, film star in silent films. He was very, very, very popular. Some even say more popular than Charlie Chaplin. 
Interesting. Um, Virginia Rapp was an up-and-coming uh, silent film star who had, you know, worked with Arbuckle in the past, and they, she was basically on her way up. So, um, Fatty Arbuckle was basically one of the first celebrities to really kind of be engulfed in scandal, which okay. is not something a lot of people know. Right. Um, there really wasn't anything... Um, as far as Hollywood and, like, crime, everything was always very glamorous and pretty and sugar-coated and shiny. And then Fatty Arbuckle came along, and he was the first person who was kind of tarnished um, while still prominent in the spotlight. Interesting. Um, Basically, he was really, really fat. He was... uh, My article here says rotund. Oh, okay. Um, and so he was nicknamed Fatty. His real name um, was... And that's pretty Roscoe. sad. Yeah. So, um, Fatty Arbuckle was nicknamed that because he was 300 pounds and very, very large. Okay. So, which I guess in the 1910s would have been massive. Um, these days, not so much. Interesting. Yeah. Um... So he achieved his original success in the 1910s, um, and his career would last from the 1910s to 1921, really. Okay. Um, at the time that he kind of fell from the spotlight, uh, he was earning over a million dollars a year. Which and what year was this? 1921. So that's a lot. That's an insane amount of money. Um... It all came to a crash and cult because of a scandal, which we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, so, okay, so he was born um, on a small farm in Smith Center, Kansas, so the middle of nowhere, um, and he was born March 24th, 1887. Uh, the following year, his family relocated to Santa Ana, California, and they opened a small hotel, Bates Motel style. In the summer of 1895, Roscoe, a.k.a. Fatty Arbuckle, made his stage debut mm-hmm. um, with a traveling right? theater trip. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, Nothing. <laughs> it's all good. It wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Was, what was I saying? Oh. Oops, traveling Santa theater. Anna. In the summer of ni- 1895, Roscoe made his stage debut with a traveling theater troupe. Uh, the shy and overweight youngster immediately felt at home. Uh, on this, in the spotlight. Four years later, his mom died, and he was sent to live with his dad, uh, who was in Watsonville, California. And then his dad disappeared, just like up and wasn't there anymore. Um, and so a local hotel owner took him in. So his mom dies. Okay. He's now sent to live with his dad. His dad disappears and is absolutely nowhere to be found. And so, um, a hotel owner is like, you know what? It's cool. You can live here. Interesting. Right. Um, so when not working at odd jobs, he was tutored by a teacher who lived in the hotel. Um, he preferred, however, appearing on amateur night at the town's vaudeville theater uh, over reading and writing. So basically, he didn't like school. He liked to perform way better than school. Well, I mean, I mean, who, who wouldn't? Right. right. Mm-hmm. So um, in 1902... Um, see so yeah 1902 he was reunited with his father um who had remarried at this time which is just insane to me how do you up and leave your family and then marry somebody else you know what i mean it's crazy i mean it happens all the time right but it's so so he was reunited with his remarried father in santa clara Mm -hmm. uh, and he helped the family by waiting tables in his father's restaurant okay Um, he got into show business a few years later, working in vaudeville and burlesque shows in California. And the Pacific. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, every time I hear the word burlesque, I think about that Christina Aguilera movie. The one with Cher. Yeah, that so didn't good. do well. Uh-huh. People didn't like it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, during a 1908 summer stock engagement in Long Beach, he met a singer and dancer named... Uh, Armanta Minta Dufree. Armanta Dufree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the two of them were married and toured Southern Calif- the Southern California vaudeville circuit. 
Uh, at some point, Arbuckle to try, decided to try his luck in the fledging movie industry. Uh, legend had it that Arbuckle was an overweight plumber when Mark. Oh gosh, legend had it that Arbuckle was an overweight plumber when Mark Sennett discovered him. Uh, apparently, the story goes that he had come to unclog the film producer's drain, but Sennett had other plans for him. Okay. He took one look at Roscoe's hefty frame and offered him a job. So basically. Um, he came over to fix this guy's pipes. This right. guy's like, hey, you want to be in a film? Because you're big and fat, and I want to make fun of that. But he's not even that fat. Right, but this was the 1920s when everyone right. was Right, so then everybody bones. was, like, right, super so tiny. he's mm-hmm. massive. He's, like, giant. Um, but he's not really. He's really not. Hi, I'm Ellen, and I'm scared we exist in the Matrix. I'm Jaslyn, and I'm bad at ad-libbing. And you're listening to High Expectations, the promo. For our international listeners, you can appreciate our cute New Zealand accents. For our local listeners, you might bump into us in the street three times in the same hour. Our podcast is about pop culture, sexuality, relationships, interesting hobbies, banter and ragging on each other. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or anywhere you might like to find podcasts. Yay, please subscribe. Goodbye. I guess Senate really liked him for his frame of comedy because he was a very, you know, large guy who was very um, Three Stooges kind of thing. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. a, like a slapstick kind of thing. could see that. Um, he became a member of Max Sennett's Keystone Film Company in April of 1913. Um, so he was soon making dozens of two-reelers uh, as a film buffoon. Um, I hate this wording in this article. Um, well, you know. <clears throat> yeah, so he became a member of Matt Sennett's Keystone Film Company in April of 1913 and soon started making a whole bunch of films and audiences loved him. He made one film after another. Every single one of them was super successful and he managed to earn a fortune. So basically he was killing it. Yeah. Uh, He was very well known. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody liked him. Everybody wanted to have him in their their films. Well, he looks Um, like he's pretty friendly. Yeah. He's, you know, big chubby guy, big happy cheeks. Yeah. That good old thing. Um, So in the summer of 1916, Arbuckle joined the East Coast-based Comic Film Corporation uh, as a star and director with an annual income of more than one million. Uh, And again, this is 1916. Okay. He's making over a million dollars a year. It's huge. That is insanity. That's crazy. This is like when... I didn't even know the United States had a million dollars in 1916. This is back when you could get like, I don't know, a gallon of gas for like five cents. Less than. If you drove. If you drove. Like a penny? Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, the following March, he attended a banquet in Boston, hosted by a studio, uh, for regional theater exhibitors, and this was his first brush with scandal, it would seem. Okay. Uh, so after the dinner, Arbuckle went to his hotel room. However, uh, some company executives continued part- partying at uh, Brow- Brownie Kennedy's Roadhouse. Roadhouse? Brownie Kennedy. Brownie Kennedy's Roadhouse, uh, which I feel like is pretty racist. For is that? I don't know. Uh, it's a tavern, a tavern and a brothel, apparently, nearby in Woburn, Massachusetts. Um, so basically, there was a giant orgy at this brothel, um, and news circulated that uh, Arbuckle was there. Right. Um, some stories even said that he was dancing on tables, um... Hanging out with prostitutes. I feel like he probably wasn't really dancing on tables. Uh, Well, according to him, he wasn't there at all. He went home, or he went to the hotel. Okay, but if he was there, I doubt he was dancing on tables. Right, a man of his size. Yeah. Those tables weren't that Also, let's talk about getting up on tables when you're a big big person. Yeah. That's a lot of effort. It is a lot of effort. I doubt it. Um, Okay, so. um, But he liked pit bulls. Did he? Yeah. Hmm. Look. Oh. Isn't it cute? Um, so apparently, um, 
because of all of the publicity that the brothel was getting, mm-hmm. um, the mayor raided it at one point, and then the madam was released finally after paying a fine. Of course. <clears throat> Learning um, all the fun. Sure. So, um, the stories that went on, uh, the stories about what went on were super, super racy, and they weren't just going to go away on their own. So, um, Adolf Zucker, who is a company executive, um, was informed that basically unless he paid somebody off, um, they weren't going to go away. People were going to keep talking about them. Right. Right. So, um, he paid a hundred thousand dollars uh to keep the matter quiet and in the process didn't do anything to say that you know arbuckle hadn't been there right so he basically paid a bunch of money to keep people quiet but didn't tell them they had to keep quiet about arbuckle right so his name is still tarnished at this point that's very sad right um so by october 1917 this is uh, about a year later um, Arbuckle, along with most of the rest of the movie industry, was back in Hollywood. Uh, by now, his marriage to Minta had fallen apart, no doubt because of the brothel incident. Sure. Uh, and she remained in New York to pursue her acting career. Though they were separated, their divorce wasn't finalized till 1925. Interesting. <clears throat> so, in the 1920s, uh, with 1920s The Roundup, which is a full-length movie, um... In the 1920s, Arbuckle began making full-length movies, starting with The Roundup. In January 1921, uh, he signed a new contract with Paramount Pictures, which led uh, to Adolf Zucker, that original exec, pushing him into an exhausting schedule that ended with him filming three movies at the same time in the summer of 1921. Oh, that's a lot. Right. Um, Which is insane. So, by Labor Day weekend, he was worn out. He was absolutely exhausted and planned to go to San Francisco uh, to relax with friends. So, his executive, Zucker, asked him to stay in town um, and take part in a convention that weekend. And Roscoe was like, no, this is my break. I'm going to go take my break. Yes, as he should. Right. Um, So, Zucker was pissed. um, And Arbuckle didn't let this bother him and went on the trip anyway. Okay. So, good for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So, Fatty was joined on his trip up the coast. They're going to San Francisco by his friend, uh, Lowell Sherman. Then, director Fred Fishbach, whom uh, Arbuckle had known for three years, invited himself along. Um, The three men set out early Saturday morning, September 3rd, and arrived in San Francisco later that evening. Fatty was driving his flashy new Pierce Arrow automobile. Automobile. Interesting. (laughs) Every time I hear that word, I think of... um, Automobile? Automobile. I think of 16 Candles, Long Duck Dawn. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Funny. Yes. So he was driving his his flashy new. His fancy. His fancy new. Combo of flashy fancy. uh, And took his friends to the luxurious St. Francis Hotel. Um, Fatty rented three adjoining suites on the 12th floor. Uh, and Sunday, the trio did some sightseeing and visited friends. On Monday, Labor Day, there was a party. Uh, Fishback got in touch with a bootlegger, um, and soon the guests and the liquor began to arrive, basically. Interesting. Right. Um, so among the guests was Fred's, Fred's friend, um, film talent manager Al Schmenecker. Schmenecker? Hal Semnecker. I don't know. S-E-M-N-A-C-H-E-R. Semnecker. I don't know. Among the guests was one of Fred's friends, Al, who was in San Francisco (laughs) for the weekend trying to concoct evidence for his pending divorce. Um, He'd brought along a Bambina Maud Delmont... a woman with an extensive police record involving blackmail, prostitution, swindling... To help out. What the hell? <laughs> a this friend of Bambina's... getting complicated. Jesus. A friend of Bambina's also came along, a little-known actress named Virginia Rapp. Okay. So Virginia had come to Hollywood in 1919. Uh, she was a lovely brunette whose unfortunate reputation preceded her. 
apparently it wasn't a secret that in Hollywood she was kind of a girl with, uh, quote, loose morals, which was saying a lot for the film colony back in those days. Fair. Um, rumor had it that she had already had several abortions by the time she was 16. <gasps> yeah. Um, and we're talking several, as in more than a few. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> um, before giving birth to a child that um, she'd given away. Um, she caught the eye of Max Sennett, uh, and wrangled some movie roles on the Keystone lot, where she met Fatty Arbuckle. It was also rumored that Virginia had worked her way through the cast and crew, uh, and company, and at one point she passed around a rather sensitive infestation of body lice, um, that was so severe that Sennett had to close the studio and have it fumigated. So basically she passed around crabs to everyone. Oh. Uh, of course, this is all speculation. I don't think any of this has been confirmed. It's all rumors. Well, and um, you know, the 1920s rumors were pretty much rampant. Exactly. And there was no way to dispel <clears throat> them, basically. Right. Also, um, in the 1920s, what's the way to move up your career? Sleep with everybody. Sleep with everybody or pay everybody. That's right. Which honestly is still pretty relevant, but we'll get into that. A little bit time. less, I hope. <laughs> Um, I think we have better treatments for crabs these days. So. Well, that, but, you know, girls got to do what girls got to do. I'm not right. mad at your hustle, you know, right. especially Work then where do you didn't thing. really have, um, um, but I mean, if it gets to the point where somebody has to close down a studio because you've given crabs to everyone and their uncle, it might be time to back off a bit. Like maybe just take a breather. I'd say so. Um, <clears throat> so... In spite of her drunken escapades and reports of unprovoked <laughs> nudity, so basically she would strip down whenever because she wanted to. Right. Which, I mean, do your thing, but, like, also be professional, maybe. Maybe. Um, she did earn film roles. Um, and she appeared in quite a few films, including Joey Loses a Sweetheart, in which she appeared with Arbuckle. Um, she was noticed by William Fox shortly after winning an award for Best Dressed Girl in Pictures, uh, and he took her under contract. Um, she was talking about starring in a new Fox feature, um, and she was definitely on her way up. She was kind of someone who nobody really knew who she was yet, but she was... Right. She was starting to become much more recognizable. Um, in 1920, Virginia began dating director Jack White, not Jack White of the White Stripes. (laughs) Right, okay. Yes, different Jack White. Not to be confused. Right. Um, so when he left Hollywood for New York in 1920, Virginia began dating... Hold on. That was weird. I read the wrong line. When he left Hollywood for New York, she was left with an unwanted pregnancy to deal with. Um, Her manager, Al Semnacker, Al, Mm -hmm. who was the guy that she went to the party with, um, suggested that she have an abortion in San Francisco where there was less chance of the Hollywood gossip finding out about it. Since she was going up north and Al had plans with Belle Bambina Del Monte to go to this party, mm-hmm. he arranged for her to drive there with him on September 3rd. Okay. So that's how they all end up at the party. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, at noon Monday, the party was already in full swing, and this is on Labor Day. Labor Day? Memorial yeah. Mm, Labor Day. Labor Day. I was confused, those two. Um, so basically... Um, the party was well underway midday, so everyone's, like, day drunk. Okay. Which, I mean, it's Labor Day. Everyone should be. Um, so... Yeah. Arbuckle was reportedly not happy to discover that Fred Fishbach, uh, had invited Al, Delmont, and Rap to the party. He was not happy that they were all there because of their questionable reputations. Right. Um, because Al was getting divorced... Bambina was, you know, well-known for scandal and all kinds of crazy shit. Right. Um, and then Virginia Rapp was kind of a hoe, according to everyone else. <laughs> um, so he was not happy about it, but he was like, you know what? I'm Everything's good. I'm happy. I'm enjoying myself. Let's not press the issue. Right. So um, he just kind of let them do them and walked away. Um, at one point during the party, um, Fischenbach, Fischbach? Fischbach. Sure. Fred suddenly left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, claiming that he had business elsewhere. He's like, you know what? I gotta go. I got shit to do. 
Uh, the crowd grew to a couple dozen people. The young women were downing gin-laced orange blossoms. I don't know. Interesting. Is that a drink? I'm sure it is. Ooh, let's drink that. I love the way orange blossoms smell. I'm sure they taste even better. I'm sure. Um, some of the guests had shed their tops to shimmy, to do the shimmy. So basically, they're a bunch of topless girls at this point. <laughs> um, so this is just like a, a fucking rager, is what it is. Sounds like it. Um, guests were vanishing into the back bedrooms. Um, empty bottles of booze were piling up. Meanwhile, Delmont, Bambina, uh, who was well liquored, disappeared into Lowell Sherman's suite with him and locked the door. Okay. Virginia was roaring drunk. My article says so she was trashed. Um, I believe that. She began tearing off her clothes and screaming hysterically. Because Delmont and Sherman were locked in room 1221 and room 1220 had no bathroom, Virginia was rushed into room 1219, Fatty Suite. She used the facilities there. Uh, soon, unaware of what was happening, Roscoe tried to enter his bathroom only to find, and this is Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, uh, tried to enter his bathroom to find Virginia throwing up in his toilet. Okay. So Fatty Arbuckle helps her up and convinces her to lie down uh, and rest on his bed. This is his account, by the way. Um... So, he sees she's vomiting in the toilet, tries to help her up, and lays her down on the bed. Next, he went to go find some ice, hoping that ice would quiet her down, because apparently she's still screaming this time. She's okay. She's drunk. Um, so, he goes to find ice, um, as well as... Hold on. Oh, okay. I don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to read this line and see if it makes sense to you. All right. Uh, he hoped that ice would quiet her down as well as determine by holding a piece of ice against her thigh to see if she reacted to the chill, whether she was suffering from hysterics. Or. That's it. Does that make sense to you? I mean. So holding a piece of ice to her thigh to see if she would respond to the chill. Um. What is, what is that yeah, mean? I mean, I guess it would just depend, like, if you weren't really, like, in pain of some sort, you might, like, react and, like, get that off of me or something, right. versus, like, maybe it helping. Okay. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know either. It was the 1920s, um, so I don't so, know. So, um, by now... Um, Fishbop, the guy who was like, no, nah, I gotta go, I have things to do, had come back. Um, as Roscoe applied the ice to the wailing woman's leg, several other p- female party guests, uh, words, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. So as he applied the ice to the woman's leg, leg Maude Delmont walked into the room. Um, Rappa, or Rap, yelled that she was dying words heard by several other female party guests. Uh, so Arbuckle has gone to her ice and is trying to help her. Maude Delmont walks into the room um, and hears Virginia yelling that she's dying. So do a couple of other people. Okay. Uh, next, the bathtub in room 1219 was filled with cold water uh, to cool off the distraught young woman. Virginia suddenly awoke and began screaming to Arbuckle, stay away from me. She cried and turned to Delmont. What did he do to me, Maudie? Virginia was bodily placed in the cold water. So basically, they threw her whole person into the cold water. <clears throat> and she seemed to settle down. Which is basically what you do if somebody overdoses or, you know, something like right. that. Right. Shock the body back into right. kind of containing itself. Okay. So they put her in this freezing cold water and she's fine. Um, short time later, she's taken to another room down the hall where Delmont could take care of her. Uh, the hotel doctor was summoned to the room a little while later, but he said she's fine. She's just real drunk. <clears throat> so the party continues. Um, Arbuckle left the hotel for a time to have his car shipped back to Los Angeles, um, and then he was going to go back to L.A. by boat. He's like, i got to go take care of this. All right. Not sure why he decided to do that raging drunk in the middle of a party, but, you know, <clears throat> whatever. So he goes and has his car 
uh, managed to be returned back to Los Angeles. Um, he planned to return to LA by boat. By the time he returned to the How plane, do you get to LA by like in the he's ocean? In San Francisco. Okay. So he's gonna take a yeah, take a boat. Like a cruise? Yes. Just taking like a Royal Caribbean yeah, cruise. He's just gonna like chill out and like, you know. Alright. <clears throat> there was a chick that just threw up in his bathtub a bunch and started screaming that he was trying to kill her, so Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> he needs a little bit of a breather, okay? Alright, fine. A vacay? Yes. So, um, he needs a vacay after his vacay. <laughs> right. Don't so, we all? by the time he got back to the party, there was another doctor admi- administering morphine to Virginia. Uh, when the physician asked Delmont what happened, she calculatedly created a fabricated tale, that's what this article says, um, that she later told the police, but never swore to in court. Um, so basically, uh, Maude, at this point, Maude Delmont says... That according to her version of events, Fatty was wearing only pajamas and a bathrobe, had steered a drunken Virginia into his suite around 3 p.m. Monday afternoon. Delmont stated that the festivities in adjoining suites came to a halt when screams were heard in the bedroom. She also said that weird moans came from behind the door. A short time later, Fatty emerged with ripped pajamas and told the girls, go in and get her dressed. She makes too much noise. Okay. Um, when Virginia continued to scream, he yelled for her to shut up or I'll throw you out the window. Delmont and another showgirl, Alice Blake, found Virginia lying nearly nude on the unmade bed. Uh, she was moaning and told them that she was dying. Bambina later reported uh, that they had tried to dress her, uh, but found that all of her clothing, including her stockings and undergarments, were so ripped and torn that, quote, uh, one could hardly recognize what the garments were. Just so you know, Bambina and Maude are the same person. Oh. Sorry. It's okay. She has three names. It's one of those weird situations. So this Bambina means, like, baby. Does it? Yes. In Italian, it's baby girl. Oh, that would explain the great Bambino, right? Because it's babe. Bambino is like a baby boy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Bambino. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, um, Bambina Maud Delmont, same okay. person. Um, she's the one who is well known for, um, like her, um, fruit, for like, um, her career in like, um, blackmail, prostitution, and swindling. So she's, like, known to be sly and tell a bunch of lies. All right. Okay. But this is her testimony. She says um, that he was wearing only pajamas and a bathrobe. She took him into... He took Virginia into the room. This is very article. Took Virginia into the room around 3 p.m. Monday. um, Assaulted her. Everyone else could hear it. And so someone went in to try and help. He says, go in and get her dressed. She's screaming too much. Um, and then Virginia continued to scream, and he threatens to throw her out the window. Um, and then Maude Delmont and another showgirl go in to help her. Um, she's laying naked on the bed, or pretty much naked on the bed, uh-huh. moaning and saying she was dying. Um, they tried to dress her, but all of her clothes were ripped to shreds, and no one could even tell which was which, like, as far as her underarms. Interesting. Hello! Hi! This is Georgia and Kate from Nothing Rhymes With Murder. Join us on a global journey of murder. Yes, every week we go to a new country and find a true crime gem, as well as some fun hotspots to visit. So remember kids, life is a journey. Don't let murder stop you. Okay, bye! Alright, bye then, bye. (laughs) Bye. Um, so... Then, you know, time passes. Arbuckle knew nothing of the story that Delmont was spreading, and on Tuesday, the day after Labor Day, he checked out of the St. Francis Hotel, generously covering everyone's expenses. So he's just like, you know what? I got money to burn. Here you go. Let's let's cover everything for everyone. Okay. Um, September uh, 6th, uh, by now, Virginia, at Delmont's direction, was being treated by another doctor. This one was associated with the private... Wakefield Sanitarium, which was a women's hospital, known for, like, childbirth and things like that. 
Okay. Um, having been assured that Virginia was in no danger, Arbuckle and his friends returned by boat to Los Angeles. Um, so he's thinking everything's fine. This is Tuesday. Um, she's being treated by a doctor. Everything's cool. So he's going back to Los Angeles. On September 8th, um, the still stricken, so she's still injured and hurt and whatever, was transferred from the hotel to the Wakefield Sanitarium where she died the next afternoon. So she was assaulted or something happened on September 5th and she has died four days later on uh, September 9th. Uh, an illegal postmortem examination was conducted on her body and her ruptured bladder and other organs were placed in specimen jars, um, which would prevent a proper autopsy by legal authorities. That's interesting. Uh-huh. So she was assaulted this day. Right. Does it do anything except go to a crazy house? Right. And then while she's at the crazy house, she dies? She dies. Um, and then her But is she not being treated for anything at the crazy house? That's just they're, for they're crazy? They're treating her, but she dies. No, they're just there. So this is a women's hospital. Oh, okay. Um, it's called a sanitarium, but that's because it's a sanitary um, it's so, so crazy mental, place. So, yeah, but men, san, some sanitariums are... Um, I don't think so. I think they're all for crazy people. Oh, okay, got it. And she was probably in hysterics, or they thought Correct. she was in hysterics, so exactly. she would be sent to the crazy person place. <laughs> right. So, got it. Um, basically, she dies, and then someone at this hospital is like, you know what, it's cool, I'm just going to take all of her organs out and put them in jars. What's the worst that could happen? And then, of course, cops get there and nobody can do an autopsy. <clears throat> because they've already pulled out the body. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, convinced that she could turn, this is, again, a very biased article, but apparently um, she was convinced that she could turn the entire incident into something that she could profit from, so Maude Delmont swore out a complaint against Arbuckle with the police, that story that she told originally. Right. She tells it to the cops. Back in Hollywood... The new film, Gasoline Gus, that Roscoe is starring in, had just opened successfully, and at the same time, he learned about Virginia's death. Shocked, he's like, let me go back. I'll go back to San Francisco. Uh, Paramount, meanwhile, panicked, thinking about right. him being involved. Right. <clears throat> so, um, they hired attorneys to represent the high price star. Right. Um, from the start of the... Um, from the start, newspapers were filled with lurid headlines um, and graphic false details supplied by none other than Mont Delmont. Newspapers around the country were revealing shocking, quote, truths uh, about the alleged events and the death of uh, vi- virtuous Victoria Rapp, which is insane <laughs> how the turntables have turned. You feel? Yeah. Um, she went from having so many abortions before 16 to now uh-huh. she's so... Virtuous. Right, correct. Got it. Um, at the hands of lust-crazed fatty Arbuckle. Lust-crazed, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from Arbuc- Arbuckle's past was raked up, including the false story of the orgy in Massachusetts. Right. Uh, news stories stated that Eric claimed that he had killed Virginia because she had rebuffed his advances. <laughs> um, they also claimed that he had killed her because of his immense weight Basically, um, he tried to rape her, and his giant gut pressed down on her and ruptured her blood. Okay. I would just like to point out, if anybody decides to Google Virginia Rapp, she's not that tiny. Oh, really? No. I'd say she's an average-sized woman. Like, she's taller than me, but probably about my size. Like, she's not this delicate, like, wafy... Right. Um... And, I mean, and, of course, at the time, skinny women really weren't, right. like, super, super tiny, skinny right. wasn't exactly the thing. So, she's curvy. She's not, like... Got a little bit of bod going on. Yeah. Um, if you also want to look, you can see her um, hospital pictures. Oh, okay. I don't know if this is morgue photos or if this is sanatorium mm. pictures, but here they are. Oh, yeah. so but as you can that. see, no. So just like average size, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, like this size, size ten, size twelve. Yeah, 
I would say that somebody to say that she was completely, like, crushed by him. Right. No. Also, let's talk about how, yes, he may have been 300 pounds. But 300 pounds isn't that massive. No, because he's also very tall. Right. Um, so he's got a big bone structure. He's got a lot of muscle on him. I mean, he's a big old guy, don't get me wrong, but in order for a 300-pound person to lay on top of a, I don't know, 200-pound person. I mean, like, right, she's... Yeah, she's easily 150, 160. Yes. Easily. And he's, <clears throat> like, six foot something. Right. Like, so for him to have, you know, crushed her, he would have had to lean, like, full force with his... He would have had to have been dead on top of her. On her bladder, like, physically pressing on that area. Right. For her to have, for that to have ruptured. Right. Um, the human body can handle a exactly. lot, and I feel Your like bladder is literally like a balloon. Yes. Um. I just it's some it's interesting because a lot of a lot of other articles that come up basically discount all of that, exactly. you know, and say that she had medical problems to begin with, which is why she could have been screaming in exactly. hysterics. Um, exactly. If her bladder had ruptured internally, right. that's a big deal. There were now, a lot of other reasons. as far as the bruisings and things like that, was he trying to help her and like control her, or was she freaking out? You know, there's exactly. a lot that could have happened in that versus um, what they're trying to imply. So then, another thing that circulated in the newspaper is that it was not just sex, but strange and unnatural sex. Quote. What does that even mean? I don't even know. Um, <clears throat> and so. I'm not exactly sure what this picture is of. Oh, never mind. Go on. I'm sorry. Okay. It's not her. Um, Arbuckle became enraged over the fact that his drunkenness had led to incompetence. Uh, or it, the, hold on. Oh, according to other reports, Arbuckle became enraged that uh, his drunkenness had led to impotence. So basically he got whiskey dick. Um <laughs> And he became enraged because, you know, he couldn't have sex with Virginia. So he ravaged her with everything from a Coca-Cola bottle to a champagne bottle to an oversized piece of ice, which probably comes back to him holding the ice on her thigh or whatever. Right, yes. Um, Other stories claimed that he was not so well endowed, or that he was so well endowed that he had um, injured the girl, while others stated... And the injury had come from when Fatty landed on her, um, on the slight actress during a sexual frolic. Which is not even a thing. We have debunked that. She wasn't that tiny. Right. Um, so basically soon churches and women's groups were crusading against the lustful Arbuckle. Um, in Hartford, Connecticut, a group of angry women ripped down a a screen in a theater (gasps) showing the comedy that had just been released. Oh my god. Talk about a Time's Up movement Honestly, so early. Um, in Wyoming, a group of men opened fire in a movie house uh, where another Arbuckle short was being shown. So this is how people in the 1920s... Dealt with uh-huh, um, apparently. controversy? Yes. Um, thanks to the newspapers, Arbuckle had already been found guilty in the public side before charges had even been filed against him. Um, angry and increasingly boisterous, voices were calling for Arbuckle to clean up his act... Finally, Arbuckle's films were pulled from general release. Sad. So they literally stopped showing his films because of this. Um, Arbuckle had been placed on suspension by Paramount, invoking the morals clause in his contract. Okay. So literally his job was like, um, you didn't behave morally, or even if you did, right. the public says you didn't, right. therefore you were on suspension. Correct. Which is just the worst. So, uh, San Francisco District Attorney Matthew Brady hoped the Arbuckle case would be his ticket to the governor's office. So, he's a brand new DA. He's like, I'm going to take governor one day. I need to have one big thing to shoot me into the spotlight. He sees this thing as Fatty Arbuckle. Okay. So, the coroner's inquest met September 12th with Brady demanding that Arbuckle be charged with murder. By then, he knew that most of what had been printed in the newspaper were lies, but because he had already vowed to prosecute the movie star in the press, um, he proceeded with the case. So he's like, yeah, I know it's all bullshit, but I need this case to win. I need this case so that I can become mayor. Interesting. It's a very political. So I have to do it. Right. 
uh, over the next few days, um, Arbuckle was jailed without bail, and a special jur- grand jury voted to indict him um, on the manslaughter charge. Um, it was their belief, based on evidence, that Arbuckle had used, quote, some force that led to Virginia's death. September 28th, the judge ruled that the defendant could be charged with manslaughter, uh, but the rape charge was dismissed. Okay. So at this point, he's gone to court. He's tried. Right. Um, It's possible that he accidentally killed her. Manslaughter meaning it was an involuntary um, thing or something that he did not intend caused her death. But he didn't rape her. Um, He was released on his own recognizance and returned to L.A., uh, accompanied by his estranged wife, Minta, who had arrived to offer moral support. So that's cool. That was nice. Right? Um, hold on. Give me a second. One second. Okay. So here's what happened. He was not tried yet. He was charged... They tried to charge him with um, manslaughter and rape. The judge is like, nah, you can't charge him for rape. There's not enough evidence of that. Sure. But you can charge him for manslaughter. So he is presented with the charge of manslaughter. His wife, his ex-wife, estranged wife, separated wife, shows up and is like, let me help you out with moral support. Right. So the trial begins November 14th, 1921, uh, which is, let's see... Was that like a month later? Probably. 1920. So one year and a month later. Okay. Um, so November 14th, 1921, Roscoe takes the stand denying any wrongdoing. Like the second the trial begins. <clears throat> the defense introduced evidence of Virginia's past medical problems, including, including chronic cystitis. Um, which basically means that you get a whole bunch of cysts. Right, right. Um, and her recurrent bouts of abdominal pain that often led to her yanking off her clothing. Um, so, you know, if your stomach hurts, it's 1920s, you're wearing a corset, you're going to take that sucker off. Uh, yeah. Find anyone who won't rip that shit off. All of it's coming off. Um. Everybody knows there's nothing more comfortable and like taking off your bra yeah oh it's amazing and having like nothing on i tell andrew all the time i'm like i really wish you could have this moment like that you it's could feel this literally everything or your hair taking your hair down after a long day yes oh, so nice yes <clears throat> so basically she was always in pain a lot of abdominal pain she would take off of her clothes a whole lot because she was uncomfortable uh the key witness maude delmont who made all of these claims Never took the stand uh, to continue her claims against Arbuckle. Right. Something that the defense pointed out several times to the jury. Um, Basically, she wouldn't take the stand. That's interesting. Right. Um, After much conflicting testimony, the jury remained deadlocked after 43 hours of deliberation. One juror was adamant that Fatty was guilty until hell freezes over. Um, so the judge declared a mistrial. Okay. 43 hours of sitting in a jury room, deadlocked. Are you kidding me? It's a long time. That's an entire week. Like, a whole week's worth of proceedings. An entire week that a jury, um, had to sit in a room and talk it over. Yeah. That's insanity. Um, unwilling to give up. Brady, the DA, who's trying to become the mayor, pushed for another trial. One of the tactical errors this time around was made by the defense. Overly confident that he would be acquitted, uh, they did not have him testify again, and simply read his prior testimony into the record. This made Arbuckle look cold and uncaring about the young woman's death, and it made the wrong impression on the jury. In addition, his attorney, assured of victory, never bothered to make a closing statement. So he just reads Arbuckle's testimony because Arbuckle, quote, can't be bothered to show up at cur- at, in court. Um, and so this makes him look like an asshole. Um, after many more hours of deliberation, the jury was deadlocked again, although this time they had almost voted in favor of conviction. 
So the first time, everyone's like, no, he's innocent, except for one guy. This time, they're like, no, he's guilty, except for one guy. Interesting. Right. So it's just very back and forth. Um. Um. Fatty had not been convicted, but his, he was still paying for his crime, um, having been forced to, forced to sell his home in L.A., along with all of his luxury cars to pay lawyer's fees that the studio refused to foot the bill for. Okay. Um, unbelievably, Brady took, Brady, excuse me, the DA, took Arbuckle to trial a third time. Um, third time? Third time. This hmm. is now, he has gone through two trials, um, has not, he's essentially been acquitted both times. Okay. Um, this time, Fatty took the stand and patiently answered all of the questions about the fateful party for three hours. The defense introduced evidence about Virginia's questionable past, um, the prosecution's intimidation of witnesses, as well as the fact that the prosecution had still never produced Maude Delmont to testify. She still has not testified to corroborate her story. All right. Um, this time, the jury adjourned for only five minutes and returned with a vote of acquittal and a written apology. Um, the apology reads, Acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel a grave injustice has been done to him, um, and there was not the slightest proof to connect him in any way with the commission of crime. Uh, we wish him success and hope that the American people will take judgment of uh, take the judgment of 14 men and women that Roscoe Arbuckle is entirely innocent and free of all blame. Yeah, except it destroyed his career. Right. <clears throat> so, um, though he was free and clear by a well-meaning jury... He was hardly forgiven by Hollywood. Paramount canceled his $3 million contract and his unreleased films were scrapped, costing the studio over a million dollars. Uh, wow. His career was finished after he was banned from the movies by Will, Hay- Will Hayes and the Hollywood Production Code. Hayes wanted to show that he meant business when it came to cleaning up movies and decided to make Arbuckle an example. Um, strangely enough, uh, Hayes acted at the urging of Adolf Zucker, his original producer guy, right, um, and Paramount Pictures. So basically, he had it out for him. Okay. Um, years later, it was discovered that Zucker had made a mysterious payment to DA Matthew Brady in November fourteenth of nineteen twenty-one. Interesting. Yeah. So now Arbuckle's original producer has been paying off a DA that's involved in his trial. Huh. Yeah. Um. So, some theorized that his publicist, or his uh, producer, Zucker, was trying to get control, regain control over Arbuckle, and had masterminded the St. Francis party um, through Fred Fishbach, who mysteriously vanished for a time, but that the situation, which was simply to make Arbuckle look bad, went and got super out of control. Right. Um... By Christmas, uh, by Christmas, Hayes had rescinded his van on Arbuckle and Hollywood Productions. Right. He tried to go back to film, um, but basically it was to no avail, and he was still seen as a very um, taboo kind of person. Right. Um, so yeah, basically with Snow Avail, um, and he never really made a comeback. Um, no. That's really sad. Yeah. Um, let's see. He died June 29th, 1934, uh, with some people still thinking, um, at, even after returning to Bobville, that he was guilty. And then... It's a shame. There's a, a theory going around that, um, Virginia Rapp was actually, um the victim of a botched abortion, which, given her... History? Correct. Would not exactly be surprising. Correct. So, Virginia was an uh, an orphan who was raised in the streets of Chicago, um, and she was known to have had the operation at least five times before she had gone to San Francisco. San Francisco was a common destination for out-of-town patients who wanted the procedure performed in anonymity. Um, It's speculated that this was the reason that she left L.A. and went to the Bay Area with Maude Delmont. 
uh, it was to get an abortion, not to go to the party. Um, so the evidence um, stands with the autopsy revealing a tear in the bladder, which is consistent with a poorly performed procedure. This would explain the excruciating abdominal pain that she suffered. More intriguing, though, was the in-court testimony that postmortem examination done at a maternity hospital, uh, which is where Rap was brought when her condition was diagnosed as fatal, which raises the question of why she would have been brought to a maternity hospital if it had nothing to do with with that lady parts. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I find that very interesting too. Right. So um, this raises the questions of why she was brought to a place um, for maternity if the concerns were not pregnancy related. Correct. Um, here, the very organs that could have confirmed whether or not she had had an abortion were removed and destroyed. Um, yes. Did hospital personnel maybe perform this quickie postmortem as a means to cover up their own culpability in the death of a patient? Um, there very are, possible. Yeah, exactly. There are those, however, who view proponents of the abortionary angle as conspiracy buffs. She may as well have. Uh, she may well have suffered from peritonitis, inflammation of the abdomen, which would have been aggravated by consumption of alcohol. Um, all these years after the fact and after her death, of all the principles involved, nobody really knows. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> and then here's a little fun tidbit I found. Even in death, Fatty Arbuckle could not find peace. The slanderous stories about him still exist today, and despite evidence presented him to the contrary he continues to be perceived as a lustful rapist portrayed in the newspapers of the day uh at the hollywood forever cemetery a lonely stone marks the grave of virginia rapp and the site is said to be home to her ghost little explanation needs to be um offered as to why virginia's spirit might be a restless one she lost not only her life over the course of labor day weekend uh, but a promising career and a tattered reputation interesting um, Oh, yes, okay. Okay. So, um, for this reason, it's not surprising to hear reports that her spirit still lingers behind. Visitors who come to Hollywood Forever Cemetery have reportedly heard, um, gosh, have reportedly heard, have reported hearing a ghostly voice that weeps and cries out near Virginia's simple grave. It's believed to many that her ghost still attached to this world, uh, and still in anguish over her promising career which was, like her life, cut short before it really began. Aww. So, yeah, she haunts Hollywood Forever Cemetery, supposedly. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that's pretty cool. Honestly, if you're going to haunt a place, that's the place to do it. I agree. I mean, lots of cool people to hang with. Yeah. So I've heard the Fatty Arbuckle story a lot before, but mm-hmm. I've never quite heard it from this angle. Um, and how do you feel? I don't know. It makes a lot of sense, though. Um that she, you know, that Maude Delmont would have fabricated all of this to kind right. of get ahead and profit off of it. Right. Because she seems like that's the kind of the person that she was. Sure. Um, and so Virginia, you know, living her life, doing her best. Thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, having had abortions in the past, I could totally see this happening. And then it happened all the time. You know, you nick a bladder, you don't realize it until you close somebody. Correct. Um, and then, you know, they get all kinds of, they go septic and then they die. And it's terrible. Yes. It's disgusting. Um, so I, it's totally plausible to me and I completely understand it. Um, I don't know though. What do you think? Um... I mean, I agree. I, I, this case has always been an interesting one to me because I don't, I, I just, if it played out the way they said that, you know, it was days later and not directly like that evening, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I just don't... It doesn't seem like there's enough evidence involved in him being involved in it. And any of the bruises, like in pictures you see of her and stuff, could have had any kind of explanation of, you know... I mean, she also could have been anemic, you know, and just bruised very easily. Correct, yes. Um, I don't believe that he crushed her. I think that's just people picking on him and his size, you know, or saying, like... Right. You know, just being unkind. Um, Also, if she had been crushed enough for her bladder to have burst... She would be dead. Her pelvis would have been broken. Right. You'd be dead. You know? Yeah. So I don't believe it. Right. I don't think he had anything to do with it. Right. Um, But unfortunately, no way to fix his career after that. Sure. So. Well, she is. Yep, it's a shame, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. So there's that. I feel bad for him. Also feel bad for him. But if he did it, then... No, take it back. Yeah, he didn't do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. there are just too many things that point in the direction of him not doing it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Basically, shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. So I guess on that note then. Yep. That's a note. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that one. Look at the pictures if you want. Do the thing. There's a lot of articles that discuss other potential things that she passed from, just in general, other illnesses. <gasps> I am so tired today. Um Thank you. And, uh, yeah. So Do your own research. Let us know what you think. Okay. Sweet. Yay. Okay, bye. Bye.